Welcome to ConX, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today, I have a Matt Vetter. Did I say that right? You did. Um, he's the president of Schaefer Construction. And uh, how are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing fantastic, Scott. Thank you for having me on. Well, you know, uh, I always try to do, I do the, uh, you know, where I try not to look a lot about people's background before I get on, get on the show here, just because I like to, to hear it, you know, fresh. So tell, tell me about, you know, where you grew up, kind of how did you end up where you're at now? Um, well, that's a long question, long answer rather. So uh, <laughs> I've been in, in the Michigan area for, for all of my adult life, been in the Midwest for my entire life. Um, started building houses in my late high school years. You know, it, back then it was, uh, frankly, it was really good money. It was cash under the table. I got to work outside with some buddies and, and that's kind of how I got my start in the construction world. Um, you know, one, one thing's kind of led to another. I, I've owned a few different companies uh, throughout my career. I'm currently now the, the president and majority owner of Schaefer Construction. We're uh, a small scale general contractor based out of Brighton, Michigan. We're about, about 45 minutes northwest of Detroit. Uh, we, we build everything other than single family homes. I've been here for uh, coming up on five years now. Well, I love, you know, I, uh, my wife's from Michigan. I, I lived in Lapeer for a while, so you're probably familiar with that area. I am. I am. So, um, you know, I, I always tell people one thing about Michigan is I, I still have my license, my home builder license from Michigan. And a lot of people don't realize this, but it has one of the largest or it did at the time I got my license, one of the largest home builder, uh, licensing, like, you know, uh, associations. And I thought that, and their licensing program was not easy. That's for sure. Yeah. They've, they've advanced it significantly. Um, since I got mine, even I've, I've had my builder's license for going on 25 years now, um, but they've they've significantly increased their the requirements, and, that, and that's a good thing. Um, another thing a lot of people don't recognize, though, is that Michigan is one of the few states that, while yes, we require a license to build a home, there is no commercial license uh, in existence in the state of Michigan. Oh, really? I, ne I never realized that. That's interesting. That's interesting. So, so tell us, so, uh, tell us about, uh, your company, kind of how it started and kind of how you are, where you are now. Yeah. So, um, Stan Schaefer, he's my currently still my business partner. He, he founded the company, uh, 25 years ago, started as a very, very small shop, very small organization for, you know, really for about 20 years, he kind of operated, um, it was himself. He had a, an office manager and, and he would subcontract an occasional superintendent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he, he formed a great foundation. He did, he did okay. Um, revenue wise, he never did fantastic, but he, you know, he paid the bills and he had plenty left over to, to have some fun. Um, I had actually done some consulting work with Stan about, about 15 years ago when I owned a, a different company and that, that's how I came to meet him. Uh, actually, I was, I was leasing an office space from him for a short period of time there. And so I, I picked up some consulting work with him doing project management, estimating, things of that nature. Um, fast forward a, a few years, I, I went and I took a job running uh, the pre-construction department of a larger 
uh, Michigan-based general contractor for four or five years there. Um, and I really just, I'm a terrible employee. <laughs> I wanted, I want skin <laughs> in the game. I don't like working directly for someone else. And, and so I started putting my sights elsewhere and uh, Stan and I connected, you know, we, we kind of stayed in touch throughout the years and he was looking for kind of a, a quick ramp up, uh, if you call it that, to his his business and then eventually to, you know, to kind of sail off into the sunset of retirement. So uh, I bought into the company, like, like I said, five years ago, um, bought in as a 25% partner and, and as vice president. And uh, now I'm, I'm president and majority owner and we're, we're doing fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what do you, you know, it, what do you focus on primarily? You said you do, there's a lot, you do a lot of a lot of things, you know, uh, but what's your core focus? As far as product type? Yeah. Is it, is it, is it commercial? Is it office buildings? Is it homes? Is it? Yeah. So, so we don't build homes um, ever, although we, we did help build our office manager's house, but that's a, that's another story. Um, so we, we do a lot of commercial. We, we used to do a lot of office product. The, the office market has, has not yet recovered uh, from the, from the shutdowns, but um, we, we've done, we've started to get into a lot of municipal work, um, building community centers, fire stations, things of that, of that nature. Um, We've gotten very big into the the climate controlled storage market. Mm -hmm. uh, we built a couple of those. We have we have a couple of those actually in progress right now. And you know, really, it's a wide variety. Uh, we we focus primarily in Livingston County, which is where our which our home office is located. Um, but we'll we'll travel up to about two hours from Brighton. So it, it's pretty decent radius. Um, obviously, the farther out we get, the the less efficient and the less the less fun it is, but you know there, there's enough activity in our local market that that we are fortunate enough to, to we really don't have to travel very far very often to to keep doing the kind of projects we like to do. We we, we specialize and we focus almost primarily now in in what we call true design build, um, and that has really kind of given us a, a leg up in the the market and. You know, like I meant, it just it allows us to have fun doing what we're doing. It's a different way of approaching the market, and it's one that works really well for us. So, you know, how does the future look? If you get to look out five years or ten years from now, I mean, I, you know, I know that's tough to do, um, uh, especially you know, you you've done a lot of different things. What do you see like that for you, and what do you see that for uh, your company? Um, you know, the future. Right now, it's really hard to, to predict, obviously, but I don't tend to buy into a lot of the, the doom and gloom. Uh, I think a lot of that is financially driven by the, the pockets of those who are creating it. So I, I think as a as an industry, there's there's still a ton of pent up demand. Um, you know, automotive, if you're from Michigan, you know, automotive runs almost everything out here. So there's still so much demand in the automotive markets for, for manufacturing, you know, the, the big chip shortages that everyone heard about through the, the COVID shutdowns, all of those chip plants, they're not even going to be online yet for another three to five years. So uh, all that being said, I, I think as a, as a market, you know, we're going to, we're going to see some correction. We're going to see some downturn a little bit, but I don't see us 
dumping back into a 2008, 2009 scenario. And with that, I see my company continuing to grow at, at a pretty rapid pace. We have some, some pretty lofty uh, targets that we're, we're constantly updating because we've, we've been hitting them all. So I don't intend to slow down my, you know, my foot's on the gas and farther I can, I can go up that, that curve and the more of my team I can bring with me, the better. So what do you, what type of things do you guys do to kind of help prepare for the future? You know, some people, you know, like what I do is I'm a, I'm in the people business. Uh, well, we're all in the people business ultimately, but we do professional services. So I send my people to seminars. I have them involved in Vistage, which is a executive leadership uh, uh, association um, and uh, trying to prepare them for the future what what kind of things are you doing um whether you're with your staff with your company with your equipment to to prepare you for the future well i think first and foremost we we really focus on hiring amazing people right and that that takes care of a lot of that mm-hmm. um tra- training's good and and continuing to develop and and that's all very important and and we do that to a point you know but it's it's really it's a focus on making sure that the people we bring into our inner circle are good matches with our, our core values and our culture. You know, I, I've always thought and I, and I've proven, I think that I, I can teach people most, most any part of this business um, as long as they fit in with our culture. That's, that's something that I, I have yet to figure out how to teach somebody. So as long as we keep doing that, you know, we're, we're very slow to hire our, our interviewing process, our onboarding processes, is a bit tiresome at times because we we don't make we don't want to make mistakes and we don't often make them on, on bringing the wrong people into our organization. So I think just you know building that structure of a of a true team uh, is enough to to help carry us through the next level. And then everything else we do as far as training and and leadership development that that's all kind of icing on the cake. Well, you know, you bring up a very interesting topic. I think, uh, you, you know, I, I go through every time we, we, you know, hire or fire or look to, you know, promote is what qualities does somebody possess? And I think you hit the nail on the head. I always say resourcefulness. That's probably the one quality that if you have, most everything else can work around. You know, if you can be resourceful enough to figure things out. I, I say not resourceful. I say if you can figure things out. Well, what's what's your? Do you have an opinion on that? Is that what you look for too? Well, I think being resourceful is is absolutely imperative in in the construction world. I think being being creative and, and flexible is is also. You know, we, we've seen some pretty significant shifts in in our industry in the last 15 plus years. And if you're not able to, to quickly pivot and and creatively come up with with solutions to the new problems of the day, you're going to die on the vine. So, you know, I, being resourceful, I, I think, is is it's almost a no brainer in, in our world. Well, you know, you kind of bring the, kind of my next question into play here is, you know, discuss with us a little bit about how. You know, I know, uh, you know, you may not have been there during 2008. You know, and that that downturn or others or you know you are obviously around during covid but can you discuss some of those events that have occurred in your business over the years and how you've kind of been through that obviously it's always good to see somebody come on the other side and come out better 
Um, I know for myself, one of the things that helped us through COVID was extreme focus, you know, uh, focus on what we're going to do, focus on what our bottom line was. So we knew every decision we make was, was, a, was the right decision to make given the circumstances. So can you tell us about some of those, you know, significant events that have affected the, the business model or, or who you are today? Yeah, so... You know, like I said, I started in residential and I, I owned a residential construction company. Uh, we were doing primarily, you know, small scale projects, decks, garages, finished basements. And and as I touched on a little bit earlier, our, our clients were primarily big three automotive executives. And in 06, 07, that work started drying up pretty fast. And, you know, it was almost like those guys could kind of see the the storm coming. Uh, it was at that point in time that I had an opportunity to to kind of jump ship and and get into the commercial world for the first time. I started a consulting company and and I just, you know, I, to be quite honest, I, I just put my nose to the grindstone, my foot on the gas, and uh, for the next quite a few years, I I traveled the country. Um, you know, I, we were building all over the place through the worst of it, and, and I think that's the same mentality that I've kept with me to this day. So you know, rewind a couple of years ago through the COVID stuff and, you know, we shut down, we, we shuttered the doors on one project. Uh, we shut down the office and, and kind of, you know, took a month off during that time was, was about the extent of it. And it is actually, a, it was a nice distraction because it allowed us at the leadership level to really sit down and clarify our vision, clarify where the heck we wanted to take this, you know, this, this machine we were building. And we came back energized and with a, a tighter focus on on our culture and, and our values and, and a tighter focus on our vision and where we wanted to go uh, and we've seen tremendous tremendous growth since that point so let's talk about you for a second here and and uh, I ask you not not to not to be humble here but what 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 skills and abilities do you think that you you possess that have uh, allowed you to grow in your career and grow in your position and grow the companies you've been you've been in um i'm i'm gritty i'm resourceful i can i can guarantee i work harder than than most people and i think that alone has allowed me to kind of push through a lot of the ups and downs that we've seen economically that we've seen in the industry um along with you know things in my personal life so i think just a an unending desire to succeed and, and to keep pushing forward and, and a never quit mentality has, has really kept me going and, and it's gotten to me where to where I am today. Do you have the same, see, the problem I have is that, uh, and I'm not that, I'm 47 years old, but, uh, and I always tell people I'm not that old. I get reminded all the time that I'm, a, I'm the old man, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I don't think 47 is quite that old yet, but uh, uh, at, at uh, 47, I look back at my career and I just think about hard work to me is 14, 16 hours on a job site, you know, or working six to seven days a week, week in and week out. And then the problem I have now is when I hire younger people, sometimes, well, not sometimes, a lot of times there's a t different mentality there when it comes to hard work. It's kind of like um, they want more of a balance. Do you have any thoughts there or do you see the same thing? 
Yeah, and first of all, I don't think 47 is that old either. I'm I'm 42, and the only person I let call me old is my 15-year-old son. So we're, <laughs> we're good there. But as far as hiring, you know, everybody talks about the millennials and, and how they don't want to work. And while I think a lot of that is true, I think a lot of it can be solved by by teaching vision, you know, casting vision and, and teaching culture. You know, most of these kids, quote unquote, have grown up in a society that, you know, without getting too deep down the rabbit hole, we, we celebrate mediocrity way too much. Mm-hmm. And we give trophies for 17th place. And, you know, people like, like myself have been yelling about this for years and years and years. And we're finally starting to see the result of that. And it's that, that entitlement uh, that we see in, in so many of, of the youth. However, I, I do not think it's, I don't think it's even the majority of them. I think the, that the, the loud ones get heard the most, right. But the, there's still that contingent of, of youth who maybe they don't know what they want to do, but they've still been brought up with, you know, quote unquote, good old fashioned American values of, of hard work. They walk, they watch their parents grind it out. And, and I think that there's, they're out there to find it, it takes longer to find them certainly now than it did a while ago, but they're there. And, and if you, you give the, the youth some direction, I, I don't think it's all for lost. And, you know, I think there's a lot to, to paint anybody with a broad brush is, is not fair, but probably highly inaccurate. Um, and I'm going to do it again, but the, 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 the fact is, <laughs> is that, you know, I live in the Midwest and, some of the Midwest values of hard work, you know, I, I have, you know, when I used to teach at, uh, at, at a university and I, and, you know, companies like Clark or other people would come out from say California and then they would interview our folks are like, we want kids from this area. And I'm like, well, why, you know? And they're like, well, uh, and people from California are going to get mad at me or from West going to get me mad at me, but it's, it's, it's the, it's, it was his perception. He just said, you know, they just don't have the kind of work ethic your kids do. And so there's there's a lot to be said for the environment they're in and not just, you know, by location, but within a company, you know, you can you can drive that culture home. Oh, without a doubt. You know, us Midwesterners, we, we've got that gritty mentality. We've got the blue collar, badass background. You know, I, the best employee I could find is a, a kid who grew up on a farm, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's not few and far between here. Um, so, you know, as far as um, if, if I had to pick uh, five things about my company that would be my strengths, I, I think that would be a little bit tough for me, but I'm going to ask you to do that. Tell me five things about your business that you feel that are strengths. So the first three are going to be kind of kind of that woo-woo fluffy stuff, um, but it's very crucially important, and that would be our, our core values, our culture, and our team. Uh, the, those those three aspects are are what make us there, what differentiate us from all of our competition, uh, and they're what keep us driving in the in the right direction. Um, I'd also put in that we are very heavy in our our pre-construction services. So so my background is in pre-construction and estimating. Uh, we really bring a different aspect to the construction market because of the the heavy, heavy um, conceptual estimating that we do, the very early budgeting, 
you know, we walk clients through the entire process. We don't, we don't bid a lot of work if, if ever. Uh, we partner with our clients and that's that that would be the fifth aspect that is our, our true design build approach where you know we really truly form a team with our clients with our consultants with our our specialty contractors um, and it's it allows us to operate very differently than than most of the other firms out there if you had to uh i see so yeah yeah he said yeah three you have two others well so I, it's our core values our culture our team, our pre-construction services, and our, our design-build approach. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Okay. I, I blended um, them all together. When you say when you say true design-build, can you explain that a little bit better to me? Yeah. So so true design. So design design-build is a term that's been around for for decades, and it's primarily been used as a as a marketing ploy, um, and it never really, in my mind, was was utilized for what it was supposed to be. So we we've kind of flipped the script on that and we call it true design build because that's that's what it is it's true design build where we as the builder the design builder we hold all the strings in the project the clients come to us first we then go find the architects the engineers uh the environmental consultants and obviously all of the, the specialty contractors and, and we form a team very early on so where where the old school model of of design bid build you know with with hard bid and all of that stuff where the architects hired first we we won't play in those arenas very often or if ever we get people to the table together in a collaborative effort and the results are are frankly amazing we we can produce better buildings better better projects for our clients for less cost in under tighter schedules with less headache uh, and, and it and that's that in and of its essence is what design build was was supposed to be when it was created, but it it's very infrequent that you see that around in that sort of uh, that sort of operation. What you know, and and my last question I have before we kind of go to the the speed round, which I which I call it, is um, advice. So if you had to go back to 18 year old uh, Matt and say I'm going to give you some personal and some professional advice. What would you say, given what you know today? Never slow down. Move faster. You know, if, if I had if I had come out of the gates out of high school with the the aggressive impatience for winning and, and for success that I have now, there's no telling where I would be or where my company would be. Um, and and you know, you got to live some too. So I, I don't regret. Any of my choices, but um, had I had I discovered entrepreneurship and and the beauty that is owning a business and and leading a team earlier, I, I think that would be a great great boost. Well, great great advice there. We have a younger section of the the audience that that listens to, it, and I constantly hear comments from people talking about like they 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 love that question because uh, it's a hard question to answer too. You know, I mean. If I had to tell 18 year old self anything, I'd say, don't be so stupid, you know? But, <laughs> well, there's a lot of but... that too. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, moving to the speed round. Uh, so I'm going to give you eight different categories. You can rate them one to 10, one being the least important, 10 being the most important. They could all be tens. Um, and then obviously when I give you the topic, feel free to expound upon why you think it is that number. So we'll start off with scheduling. 
one to ten, ten being the most important? Uh, I'd say an eight. You know, schedules are are very important, uh, especially to to uphold. So we we create schedules really early on in our in our process. Um, it's really important that you're not making BS schedules and putting them out there because somebody down the line in your team, your superintendent, your PM, whomever, they're going to have to live with that and, and try to meet it. So it needs a healthy amount of, of uh, importance placed on it. Estimating. 10. 10 out of 10 all day long. If you can't estimate, you will die in this business, period. That's how we make money. It's how we preserve uh, our company. It's how we handle risk. It's by far the most important factor of what we do. Um, the next two is contract administration and contracts. When I say contracts, I'm referring to the paper contract and administration is administering that contract. So two different two different so, categories there. So CA, I'd give a, a six to uh, only because we don't we don't get into too many issues where we have problems with contracts. Um, but contracts themselves and the written version of it, I, I would put an eight or, or maybe even a nine with the caveat that you have to read the damn things. There's there's too many people out there who will sign something without reading it, without truly understanding what's in there. And in our world and construction, as you know, it's it can be cutthroat at times. And if you're not prepared and you're not ready and, and you don't know exactly what's in that document you're signing, it can be disastrous. Design. Um, design, I'd give a nine and a half. So right after estimating, and that's because of the way we do business, where our precon leads leads the show and directs the design. The, if if we can create a, a number that works for our client in our heads and on paper, then we have to have a designer or design consultants that can create that project that matches our budget. So it, it's right up there. Accounting. Um, accounting, I'd give a 10 also, because if you don't know where your money's at and where it's coming and going, then you might as well go do something different because you'll run out real fast. Business development, and some people like. You broke up a little bit there, Scott. Business development and what? Um, business development, but sometimes people just like to call that sales. So I. I actually like to split the two. Um, in, in business development, I, I give it a seven. I think it's it's important, but I think if you're good at sales and you're good at the rest of your business, you don't have to devote so much time and attention to developing more because it just finds you. So I, I give business development a seven, I'd give sales an eight. And last but not least, leadership. Um, a 10, right? Because if you don't have someone who who knows which way everyone needs to be rowing the boat uh, inevitably somebody's going to be going the wrong way and then the boat starts going in circles so you have to have a leader at the helm you have to have a strong personality there who's not afraid to have tough conversations and to make calls and make fast decisions um, so definitely a, a 10. Well, Matt, I want to, uh, before I give you the last word, like I do all my guests, I, I just want to say, uh, I want to congratulate you on your career. Uh, you're a hard charging guy. And uh, the, I always say the proof is in the pudding and it is in the pudding with you. Um, you know, you, you get it, you know, you get how to, 
how to succeed you definitely do and um and i also want to point out uh, we were talking about uh podcasts earlier i want to give you a chance to plug your own podcast also so uh, of course you have the last word yeah, I, I appreciate that scott and, and yeah i, I co-host a podcast it's called the construction corner uh, with my my good buddy dylan mitchell you can find us on on any of the platforms um and that would be my last word too it's our focus on the show and, our, and my focus in in my professional existence, you know, outside of Schaefer Construction is we need a, a better awareness. We need a, a better boost of, of making the trades cool again. We need youth to come into our industry excited to work. You know, we talked about working hard and grinding it out. We need to get to these kids before they get so jaded by the, the college only machine that they don't look back and, and consider working in the trades as a viable option. Otherwise, you know, we're, we have a serious problem on our hands today with, with labor and, and lack of it. It's only going to keep getting worse. And I think we solve that by, by boosting the awareness of the trades, by bringing back the importance of the trades uh, and, and really focusing on, you know, those blue collar career paths that can be incredibly lucrative and incredibly rewarding. Well, Matt, I, 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 I once again, thank you for, uh, for being on the podcast today. Great podcast. Uh, Great topics, great discussions. Join us next week on another session of Connex.